Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. All right, I think we're live, Daniel. How you doing, bro? You good? I am good, Chris. How about you? I'm doing well, man. Just, uh, you know, I had a tougher day than usual, but it's it's all good. And I, one thing that I wanted to bring up, just because I saw it on your Instagram, that you just ran a, was it 40 miles, 41 miles? Yeah, you can't, uh, I can't discount that last mile. It actually, I went into it thinking I was going to do 40 miles at the end, but the RV was one more mile away from where I stopped. So I ended up having to run that extra mile to get back to the the group. So the last mile wasn't planned, but yeah, it was, it was 41 miles in nine hours. It's a good time. So uh, what was the motivation behind this? I mean, what happened? I'll tell you why I'm interested here in a second, but uh, yeah, I mean, where did all that come from? Just something you always yeah. to do? Or? So one, my buddy turned 38 years old and last week was his 38th birthday. He wanted to start running 38 miles at midnight and he did it last year when he turned 37 years old. So I saw him do it last year, thought it was pretty cool. So when he told me he was running 38 miles, this is on June 3rd, um, yeah. about seven weeks ago, I was like, dude, I'm in. We, uh, you know, we're, we're good buddies and I'm a competitive person too. So I looked at it as a challenge and I thought, you know, let's, let's push myself. I like it. Yeah. And so that's kind of the exact same reason why I was, well, part of why I was wanting to ask you about was just because I wanted to challenge myself and I started training for a half marathon that I'm doing next month no september so we're almost in august but i know it's i know 40 miles but to me i've never i'm one of those crossfit bros so i mean i don't mind doing a 5k or whatever but anything after that yeah it's a it's a whole new area a whole new mindset for me you know so true man it's um on june 3rd was my first run quote unquote i did three miles and i was gassed i was like dude how am i gonna do 38 miles six weeks from now going into that run like you I was in the gym so was in decent shape but I wasn't on the treadmill I wasn't running I didn't consider myself a runner I just lifted weights so the idea of running wasn't really something that I I did a whole lot so um yeah man you could probably relate to this when you have a specific goal on a specific day and it's a goal that kind of scares you Mm -hmm. your habits your your mindset your actions they 100% change yeah that's one of the things that I've here recently started picking up more and more is that you should try to do something like you said, that scares you. And, and that's how you grow and learn new things and find out what you're really made of. And 
overcome the odds when you know you're down on the ground and or hopefully you overcome the odds but if you don't then you learn from them and yeah it's one of these things i try to preach on here is just do things that scare you that scared me man i was uh really nervous it was um something that i had a lot of doubt because in six weeks i had to train to run 38 miles Mm -hmm. and the longest i ran during that time frame was 22 miles i had three runs over the last six weeks leading up to the the 41 mile run I did three long runs. I did an 18 miler, a 22 miler, an 18 miler two weeks before the race or for my run. One week leading up to the run, I, I kind of chilled. I, I didn't do a long run because I wanted to rest up. But dude, my 18 miler run, I ended up cramping and I had to call my wife to come pick me up. I did not dial in my nutrition. That was the longest I run at, ran at that point. So my body was just like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? Mm. So mile, I did and then about three days, four days later, I ran 22 miles and I thought, okay, let me change up this run because I learned from taking the L when I ran 18 miles. So I dialed in my nutrition a little bit more, Nice. got to 22 and I was like, okay, let me stop here. I, I feel good. I had to stop too because it was nine, about nine o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas. So it got to about 95, 97 degrees. So I'm like, let me stop here. Um, and then about four days later, I did another 18 miler. But this time I did 18 because I started to get lightheaded. I wanted to yeah. throw up. Oh, and it was because I don't know if you've taken what's called tailwind yet. Tailwind is sodium, a little bit of caffeine. A lot of runners will take it in this tailwind. To, uh, kind of with, with fuel to help them with the fuel. Okay. I mixed that for the first time with a Gatorade. And that's one of the things that a lot of people will tell you when you're going on runs is if you're going on really long runs, try not to test something out new, like, do what works, do what your body likes. And at that point, I was like, let me take this Gatorade right here and this tailwind mix and mix it. I mix it at mile 15. I started like lightheaded, getting nauseousness. So my last run before I ran the 41 miler was an 18 miler where I had to give up. I'm on the freaking side of a 7-Eleven and called my wife, had to have her come pick me up. So I was really second guessing myself where I'm like, dude, the most I've ran is 22 miles and I'm supposed to be running 38 miles in a week. How am I going to do this? Damn. Yeah, man. And so, you know, one of the programs that I'm following right now, or one that, you know, a friend gave me is that it's a 12 week program out from this, uh, tri- it's a triathlon, but a three person triathlon. I'm doing it. I'm doing the running league and kind of what you were saying though, it builds me up each week for my mileage. You know, it was like I said, know do what your body likes there's no way i was going to run out there and try to run 10 miles just right off the bat just my body would just crush me and plus you know i'm five foot nothing and like 170 pounds so i'm not made for running anyway you know about that tall long body but you know like so like today's five miles friday would be five miles and saturday we go into six and then like next week we build off build off that and so yeah that's how i'm prepping myself for this and as far as nutrition you know i've always had pretty good or decent nutrition in my point of view through crossfit and everything but i'm learning to you know, tweak that a little bit too, just because I'm like, okay, how do I feel after this run? How am I going to feel before I run? What do I need? What do I like? And just, it's one of those self-awareness things, you know? Yeah. It's i I'm, I'm not a runner's body either, man. I'm 183 pounds. Like I get down in the weight room. Uh, I'm, I'm really going after that hybrid look, right. Where I can bench two plates, no problem. Squat four plates, no problem. Deadlift four plates. Like I like to lift heavy. So I'm not 150 pounds runner and my body would be so much better on the pavement if I was 150, but I'm (laughs) 183 pounds and I'm 5'10". Right. So, um, yeah, man, the, uh, the electrolytes is, is huge. What I've noticed is once you start getting past 10 miles, that's when you really have to dial in your sodium, your magnesium, like your potassium, like you really have to make sure your electrolytes are are on point. And looking back, the L's that I took on those long distance runs, the 18s, the 22, the 18, man, I learned so much from those three runs that I was able to take into my 38 miler attempt and how I was able to get to 38 miles. And I was like, dude, I feel really good. Let me get to 40. Sure. No, I finished 41 miles and dude, I felt really good. Like I definitely could have ran at least another four more miles 
we, we had an RV tail us the whole time. So that was cool. That was comforting. Sure. Um, so when I got to 41, all of the crew were at the RV and they were done. I wasn't going to make them wait. Um, but, uh, I felt great the next day. People were telling me like, dude, have you even ran a marathon? I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're like, dude, you're going to freaking be dead. Like the next day, like you won't even be able to walk. And felt really good the next day, man. The next day I, I worked out, I hit, I hit back at the gym and uh, I, I attribute a lot of that to just the nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. That was one thing that uh, people were telling me that, you know, you could go out and run a half marathon, no problem. But they said the day, I just want to ask you about, but the next day is that you were going to feel like complete shit, you know, just based on your body, especially if you never built up or did anything for it. And because that was my thing is like, do I have to really train for this or, you know, can I just go in there and, you know, big dick swing and, you know, sorry for the language and just, you know, use my ego to get through it or whatever. But, um, but I learned that prepping and changing my mindset and building up to it is actually helping me more rather than just going on and going into, going into it dry and just hoping for the best, you know? And, and that's one cool thing. I'm glad you were able to feel great after the, you know, what'd you say? What did it take you nine hours at the next nine hours and one minute, Man. 41 miles. Yeah. Did you just run all through the night or what was it? Yeah, we started at midnight. That's right. I think that's another thing that helped me is the 18, the 22 mile, the 18, the 15 milers, the half marathons I did leading up to the the 41 miles. I did it in Las Vegas at at like four, five, six, seven a.m. in July. It's still 90 degrees, 95 degrees at 5 a.m. Right. So my body got used to running during hard times. So we drove up to do the, the 41 miler in Utah and dude, it was like 70 degrees, but granted it still gets warm in Southern Utah. So we started running at midnight and that was a really cool experience because it's pitch black. You got the stars above you, you got the moon. It's, it's beautiful, man. I don't doubt. Yeah. And uh, so we started at midnight. I probably took five to six breaks, breaks, meaning run into the RV, eat a banana, drink a little bit of water, gotcha. and then two, two minutes later, get back on the road, right? So like the nine hours in one minute included, you know, those those small little uh, pit stops. Yeah. Well, I know we just said that we both like, you know, challenging ourselves and doing something kind of crazy like that. But I, and I know in your past and what little I know about you that, you know, you kind of had to go, you went down almost a, a dark road, so to speak. And now you were addicted to Oxycontin and then seems like you kind of, you've overcame that. Now you're pretty successful from what I understand. I mean, so was this a mindset you had to learn and learn to challenge yourself and learn that, Hey, I'm kind of like going away. I want my wife to go and I got to change things or what? Yeah. I mean, there's a, a couple of pivotal moments in my life. The first one, when I was 12 years old, my parents were married up until this point, middle-class neighborhood, both parents in my house and life was pretty good. And then my dad, he ended up moving to Mexico all of a sudden, like literally just said, bye, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And I thought he was going on a trip, but he never came back. And I never really saw him again. until I was much older, um, an adult that crushed me because I was really tight with my dad. And now all of a sudden it's just my mom and my mom didn't speak about my dad. And I learned why, because in the sense of didn't tell me why he left because she wanted to protect me. So she never talked crap about my dad. My dad didn't pay any child support, didn't help. Like he was 100% absent physically, financially, everything. Mm. So now it's just my mom and I, and there was a lot of struggle financially with single mom working a ton, but I learned a lot from my mom. She never talked shit about my dad. She had every reason to, she never complained about the cards she was dealt. She just worked. Yeah. And I always saw her in just a great, great, um, upbeat attitude. So, but we struggled financially. And I just remember thinking, man, I don't want to live like this when I get older. And I got to find a way to, to, to help my mom because like she's awesome. And uh, because of some of the things I described to you with, with my dad, um, not having a father figure, that's why I'm so passionate about like, I, I think the demise of our country, or I'm hopefully not speaking into the future, like, you know, our country is going to go to shit. I think a lot of us can agree whether what political party you on, our country is on the decline, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with just like the broken family. And when I didn't have a dad in the house, I sought influences from other people. And unfortunately, some of those influences were not good influences. So I started smoking weed, drinking alcohol in high school, ditching school, 
and uh, just stumbled my way through high school. And I was able to graduate high school by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And I remember like my first job, I was 18, got into sales. I still held on to a lot of resentment towards my dad. I still was lost as, as a person. Yeah. And uh, that's when I got addicted to Oxycontin. I was masking my pain with, with that pain pill and just downward spiral at that time. man. Oxycontin was my demise because it was just so dang expensive. It was, for those of you that don't know, Oxycontin is heroin in the form of a pill. Right. And this little, little pill was 60 bucks. And I'd go through one or two of those a day, every day. You do the math, right? Yeah. And all this going on, I then have a daughter at 19 years old. And I dropped out of college right around this time because I didn't know why I was going to college. Society told me to go. But during all of this, I'm still showing up to my job. I'm in a sales position. And for whatever reason, Chris, I, I was able to have success in sales. That's how I was able to afford, you know, a, a hundred dollar a day drug habit. Right. And looking back, sales was the mechanism that taught me communication, that taught me leadership, that taught me how to run a team that was really the gateway towards entrepreneurship. So I did that for a number of years and experienced some success there. And I was able to eventually get clean from drugs, um, got clean from Oxycontin in November of 2009, nice. right around the time when my daughter was born. So I, I do believe that God gave me a daughter for a reason. This was like, hey, dude, here's your one chance to get clean, take it or leave it. And I took it and uh, been clean since. And then, uh, you know, just been able to, to navigate where about four years ago, a little more than four years ago, after having a, a pretty successful um, run in, in the sales corporate world, I put all my chips in and, and started my own firm um, sure. about four years ago. And, and we've been jamming since. Man, yeah, I, like, I love stories like that, man. Just, you know, you're the underdog. You don't see a good, bright or a good future for yourself. And then all of a sudden you overcome the odds and wham, you know, now you're doing big things. And just, I mean... Did you ever meet up with your dad later on in life or did you find every? Yeah, man. So I don't want to get too personal. If you nah, okay. I, I literally was on a podcast earlier today and we talked about it. Okay. So I remember holding my daughter. So to give even more context, I was in such a bad place that I wasn't even there when my daughter was born. My daughter was born in February, 2009 and I wasn't at the hospital. And that was something that I had to live with where I beat myself up for a number of years. Like, how do you miss your kid's birth? Like, it's not like I was in Iraq at, serving our country in the military. And that's why I missed, you know, my kid's birth. No, I missed my kid's birth because I was snorting Oxycontin. I was being an idiot. And so I missed my child's birth and I didn't even see my kid until she was two weeks old. That's just how bad of a place, dark of a place I was. And I'm still upset at my dad at this time, right? I'm still resent. I'm still resentful. I'm still a victim, right? That's the key word, Chris, is I'm a victim at this point. Right. That's, that's, that's my identity. It's man, why did I grow up with my dad without a dad? You know, my friends got to have their dad. How come I didn't have my dad? My life was so much rougher without a dad. Like, you know, God, why did this happen to me? Right? Like those were the conversations, the thoughts I had. And I remember when I held my daughter in my arms, Chris, I'm thinking, man, this is a trip that her blood's in my blood. Like I'm a piece of shit dad right now. And I'm not in my daughter's life right now, the way I should be. Yeah. Am I going to repeat the cycle? Like I'm going to, am I going to do what my dad did to me? And I, like a, a, a light just switched for me. I immediately just started changing the way I view my dad instead of being ungrateful and being, you know, I'll just call a spade a spade a little bitch and being a victim. I just immediately was grateful for him. I was grateful that I had a dad up until I was 12 years old. And he was a cool dad. Like he was my soccer coach. He was amazing. Yeah. Some kids don't even have dads. And if they do, they're a piece of shit. My uh -huh. dad was awesome for 12 years. And I'm actually glad he left because it allowed me to get closer with my mom. It allowed me to grow up quicker. It allowed me to experience hard times sooner. It allowed me to experience adversity and know what that feels like and come out on the other side. So thank you, dad. Like if I had two options, option number one, a dad stays in my life every single day from when I'm born to 18 or option two, what I went through 
and he's gone at 12, I would pick option two because it just worked out. And I immediately just forgave my dad at that point, reached out to him, told him, look, dude, whatever you did, I don't agree with it. It was wrong, but I love you. You're not perfect, dude. Like you're still my dad. And I'm just grateful that you were an amazing dad when you were. And uh, so, man, like we literally were just messaging each other on WhatsApp today. He lives in Mexico. He moved to Mexico when I was 12 and still lives there to this day. But, you know, we uh, we still we still talk and have a a really good relationship. I mean, that's cool that you kind of rekindled or got that relationship back. I mean, no, I mean, I can't speak. You know, my my parents got divorced when I was three. So I still had, you know, with my dad, you know, they had uh, was it joint custody. So I still had my dad was in my life, but he was also not in my life at the same time. You know, I only saw him on weekends and holidays and stuff. And it's still kind of the same way. But, you know, and I don't have any kids yet, but it's one of those things that from, you know, the stuff I've read and people I've listened to on podcasts, you know, when you actually see your child like, hey, I made this thing, you know, this is part of me. Like you were saying, this has got my blood in it. You know, it's like this changes you as a person. And for most people it changes, you know, like, hey, I, gotta, I want to stop being a piece of shit. I want to stop, you know, going down X road, start going down Y road, make a positive change. And and it's one of those things that just turn on and you never would expect it to. And, and yeah, and I feel like, you know, when I have kids, I mean, not that I'm going down any dark roads or anything, but a whole new light's going to come over me and like change my way of thinking. Like, all right, man, we got to get out here and start working harder or something. You know, it's just like, we got to feed this thing. Yeah, man, that's why I'm a big proponent of how can you put yourself in a position to have a life-changing moment to rattle the cage? I'm not saying go out and knock up three women and have three kids and <laughs> experience you know right. adversity that way, right? It's got to be calculated, just like the run was, right? Yeah, like sure. I knew I had a decent shot at going from running three miles and struggling seven weeks ago to last week running 38 miles, I knew I had a decent shot at doing it. I had doubt, I had um, a feeling of being scared, but I also had a feeling of confidence and pushing myself. So same thing with with my daughter, right? Like I'm 19, 20 years old, I have doubt, man, am I gonna be the best that I can be? Am I gonna be what my dad was to me? Like, is my daughter gonna be proud of me when I get, you know, when she gets older? So it's okay to have that doubt, but those kinds of monumental moments can, can really catapult you to, you know, be a better version of yourself, right. To have that extra oomph, that extra urgency. Yeah. You know, that seems to be a common theme, you know, with talking with people like yourself and, you know, even with myself at that, you know, I've noticed that almost everybody has doubts, right. Of some sort. And it's just a matter of how you get it out, you get out of your own way. You overcome these doubts. I mean, just, you know, or you want to call it imposter syndrome or whatever, but you know, you can either let these doubts beat you down and you end up not doing anything, but you end up, if you want to try to challenge yourself, if you want to try to, you know, beat these doubts and make you overcome them, then that's when you start to grow. And that's when you start to learn that, Hey, you can get out of your own way from these limiting beliefs. And, but that seems to be, my point is that seems to be the most common theme I seem is that, you know, everyone's always doubting themselves. Everyone's got problems and there's, they're, they're not as cool as like, well, they might be fronting. You don't know what's going on inside those heads. Right. And it doesn't matter how you know you externalize these things and you put your actions or words into actions and you do something about it rather than just sit there and just keep taking your L's like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. What, what I've learned and, and I'm sure you've had, you know, far more successful people than, than me on your show. So kind of give context. I've got 13 employees. Um, we do low seven figures a year in business. I'm 33 years old. And what I've learned in my short period of life is what kills doubt is action. Yep. And it doesn't have to be like this massive action, right? Like this this huge monumental win that's going to cure your doubt, right? Like if your goal is to, you know, get a bunch of views on a video because you want to drive traffic to that video and get leads, or your goal is to build a bigger social media following, or your goal is to speak on stage or your goal is to build a business or your goal is to run 41 miles. You don't need to have a 35 mile run to kill that doubt. Yeah. Like, dude, I killed the doubt along the way when I ran five miles. I was like, dude, I'm taking action. Let's go, baby. Then the next day I take some more action. Right. You know, I didn't have social media three years ago. 
And I had doubt getting on social media, but you know, I'd make a post. Cool. That felt good. I took action. I, I learned how to write copy. I learned how to tell a story. I learned how to write a headline. Cool. That feels good. Shit. I got to get in front of a video camera Man, my voice sounds stupid. I look dumb on camera. Let me take some action. Ah, man, I, I don't know if I should do a podcast. Like, man, I don't know about that. Dude, I'm, I just actually did a podcast right before I jumped on your podcast. And we're like 80 episodes deep. We do one a week and nice. over a year. The doubt gets killed along the way. It didn't take me 70 episodes to kill the doubt. It's episode one, but the doubt keeps coming back. The one lesson I got, Chris, from running 41 miles is the questions I asked ultra marathon runners. What's, what's interesting, man, is like when you submerse yourself into an environment like for example if you want to start a business maybe you join a mastermind group maybe you put it out in the universe that you want to start a business next thing you know you're having more conversations with entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and you're like oh shoot like how do you market your business how do you get leads oh okay how, how are you hiring your employees right like you have conversations that you know can really go places to help each other out you know there's substance when i put it out there that i wanted to run 38 miles Next thing you know, I'm having conversations with people that ran 50 miles, that ran 100 miles in one day. And I'm like, where were these people before? They were always there. But now that my goals changed, I have a different kind of radar, right? Where I'm going with this is I had three conversations with three separate people that ran 50 and 100 mile runs. And these are called ultra runs. Anything that's over a marathon is an ultra run. And I asked all of them, yo, What's the number one piece of advice? I'm running 38 miles two weeks from now, three weeks from now, whatever. It's number one piece of Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park they all said the same shit they're like dude you're going to experience a lot of pain along the way sure don't give your pain a voice all of them said that I, maybe they listened to the same podcast an hour prior to me asking the question <laughs> so it was top of mind but dude, i don't think it was a coincidence and they're so true because at mile 29 i wanted to quit i was like dude the most I ran was 22 miles in my life. I ran 29 miles, six in the morning. I'm tired. I'm like, let me just be done. Like I ran the most I've ever ran. Like I feel good about this. So I'm, I'm starting to give into my comfort, but then I'm like, no, I'm giving my pain a freaking voice. Like I'm going to keep going. I said, I was going to do something and I'm going to follow through with my promise. And that's the same with anything you're doing, right? You can't give your doubt a voice because the bigger voice that you give your doubt, the bigger stage you give your doubt, the more your doubt controls you. Yeah. One of the biggest things or best quotes I've heard in my know, these past X amount of years is that most men live lives of quiet desperation. And when I heard that and like looked it up and studied it and it was, like, you know, just saying that, you know, a man would just walk through life and just wishes they never really took chances or risk or they just took always the, uh, the easy road. It's like, man, you know, I don't want to keep living like this. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, but I knew that, man, I, you know, I wasn't happy, you know, and that's kind of what one of the uh, pros of the pandemic was for me was that, you know, I got to reset back to neutral and you know reflect on like hey you know chris what have you been doing man is this where you thought you were going to be at you know i mean it's one of those things like i walk down a road or go down a road i don't ask questions and i just keep going just because it's the like you said it's like what society wants you to do and then you know 10 years later you're like whoa what the fuck you know what's what's what where was i at you know what was i doing was i on autopilot and so it was when i heard that i was like all right you know i thought you know 
I got to start doing something. It doesn't matter if it's small or if it's big and, you know, and, you know, I did my research. It was one of those things that if you do a big thing, like go out, Hey, I'm going to go run 48 or 40 miles without ever training, then you're probably most likely setting yourself up for failure. But if you do small things and compound these wins and successes, you gain a little momentum and slowly you start to gain, you know, you're to reach that goal or whatever, but you got to do something, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm glad, I mean, I was going to touch on this earlier when you said that, you know, you talked about, you know, was it victim mentality or being a victim or whatever that, that was one of those people I was, was just that, you know, oh, it's so easy for him because he was already got, you know, X amount of money or, you know, he's, he was already tall and born six, six. So no wonder why he's going to be a great basketball player. Just, you know, some random example like that. But I was learned to, you know, tell myself, you know, it's, Hey man, it's not that way. You know, it's just cause I'm sitting here just sitting on my ass watching Netflix and eating Doritos, playing, you know, sitting on a couch and not doing shit, you know? You get, and so finally, when I wanted to start a podcast, I was like, God, you got to do something. You know, it's going to be trash in the beginning, kind of what you're talking about social media, but you got to learn what you're doing, build off that, you know, keep the money or keep the flow going and, you know, good shit happens, you know, talk to the right people, have the right conversations and wham, magic happens somewhere down the road. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting how that, that works out. I, I think a question I get, asked a lot is how do I build confidence? How can I get out of the funk that I'm in? And the quickest way to build confidence is to say you're going to do something and then do it to keep the promises that you make to yourself, right? Your mind is on another level, right? If you say you're going to go to the gym tomorrow, you say you're going to do yoga tomorrow, you say you're going to go on a walk tomorrow, you say you're going to read a book tomorrow, read 10 pages tomorrow, you say you're going to call your mom tomorrow and you don't do those things. Your mind is okay. All right. I see you. I see you. And I'm going to remember this. You lose credibility with yourself and your self-worth goes down. And that's just, is so key that your confidence and your self-worth is chugging along because you need to have supreme confidence in yourself your self-worth always needs to be rising because ultimately the story that you tell yourself is a story that eventually becomes true because what's going to happen is if your self-worth is crap if your confidence is low well you already know what's lurking around the corner what's lurking around the corner chris is adversity a problem a fire you got to put out Something that's probably out of your control, but what's in your control is how you respond to that fire, how you respond to that problem. And if you come from a place where you're responding to it from a place of supreme confidence, self-worth is really high. You, you're going to, you're going to overcome that. You're going to, you're going to win. You're going to beat that struggle and then you'll come out even better. But just like training for a big run, it takes some time that you got to put in to build up that self-worth to actually have enough times go by where you do something that you said you were going to do, call your mom, read a book, do a video, make a post, call a client, speak on stage, whatever it is, speak in front of a room of people. And if you keep doing that, your mind's like, dude, I can actually trust this guy. Like I can believe this person. So the next time you say you're going to do something, you already have wake up, you know, a lot more confidence. You know, and you know, it sounds like a great leadership mentality. I mean, is this something that, you know, just by doing and practicing and, you know, uh, learning from your mistakes or is, do you, you know, read a lot of books? Did you monitor or try to reflect on somebody who, or model yourself after somebody you really looked up to just to build this confidence and gain your self-worth or how did it all? Man, I wish I would have gotten into personal development a lot sooner. I got into personal development about three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Didn't read books before that. Didn't invest into coaching. Um, I'm, I'm heavy into masterminds right now. Um, spend a lot of money and time commitment in, in masterminds. I'm, I'm heavy into audiobooks, podcasts, right? Okay. So books, but I really look at it, Chris, as kind of had that that back against the wall mentality where again, going back to my childhood, you know, my mom and I lived in a hotel for a period of time when I was a freshman in high school, because we just were in a bad spot. Had to live with some friends my sophomore year because my mom and I couldn't get our own spot. And 
I really credit a lot to my mom because my mom, she never was shook. Like she did a really good job of hiding it though. Cause years later she would tell me that when she needed to cry, she would just go in the shower and cry, hmm. but she was never shook in front of me. She would never, man, how are we going to do it? I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent next month. I don't know where we're going to live next month. Man, I really wish your dad would help. Oh, I could use your dad's money right now. Oh, your dad hasn't given us any money in all this time. Like she never pointed the finger and she never was shook in front of me. So belief and supreme confidence, even though I had some rocky points and some down points in my life, I've always had that because I really had no choice. I saw my mom always have confidence in herself and her ability to put food on the table and get us through it, despite the odds that she had. So that just translated over to me. And, and next thing you know, I'm 18 years old, I'm in sales, and I'm competing against people that are 30, 40 years old in sales that have been there way longer than me that have experience that are cooler with the bosses are in the cool kids club. And like, who am I? Right. But I believe that I'm going to win no matter what it's, what it's, what it takes. Right. One of my first jobs was a grocery bag clerk. I bagged groceries and I corralled grocery cl uh, store, a uh, clerk or uh, uh, a copy carts and I rounded them up and I swept the floors. I remember going down the, the aisles, sweeping the floors. They played the Commodores easy like Sunday morning every freaking day. Like that was their their jams, like Hall of Notes, Commodores, Lionel Richie at the grocery store. <laughs> and I always just wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the best uh, bagger, the best uh, shopping cart gatherer. Like that, that just was instilled in me. So that went into sales and then that went into business. And, you know, I'm still trying to compete to, you know, be the best version of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you touched on that just because, you know, I never had that attitude or mentality or whatever you want to say, or as far as like wanting to be the best at anything. And for some reason, you know, I was talking with a friend about this not too long ago, but back in high school and I don't in college, I don't know if it was just being early adult teenage mindset, but I thought hard, you know, working hard was, you know, not cool. I thought it was stupid. You know, it's like, you know, you're actually going to try like who does yeah. that? You know, like you're a nerd, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it wasn't until like, I guess it was almost, it wasn't too late, but it was not until after college when, you know, you talked about personal developments when I actually started learning about myself, you know, when I finished college and, you know, all my roommates left, they went and moved on to their jobs. And, you know, I didn't have a job, you know, I kept applying for jobs and I was always the guy finishing second best. And, and so I was like, fuck, you know, what the hell am I going to do? And so I ended up moving back in with mom and pop. And so I guess I started, that's where I started learning. Like, I don't want to keep living like this. You know, all my friends moved off to, you know, big places in the city, getting jobs and they're always, you know, doing big things, sending me, you know, videos of where they're at or how cool it is. And I'm just like, fuck, you know, this, you know, I'm sitting here in mom's basement, just doing nothing, you know, just looking up stuff on the internet. And that was also kind of a good thing for me too, at the same time, because I Part of when I said, hey, all right, I want to go back and get my master's. I think that's really going to help me get it. And I'm glad I did that. And then that's when I first said, all right, when we, you know, if you want to do something in life, you got to work hard at it. If you want to go somewhere, you just let's do something and just go down this road for a little while, change things, you know, start something new. And like this podcast, which that was a couple of years ago. But I mean, but I knew that's what I for my point is, is that where I started, you know, knowing all right, personal development, let's work hard. Let's change the way I've been doing because that was not working at all. You know, that's why you ended up this way. And it worked out. And that's why, you know, I guess back then I had a fixed mindset. Now I feel like I have a growth mindset. And like I was telling you earlier, just, you know, even with the running thing, I knew running 13 miles would be hard for me, but I also wanted to do it just because I know that how extremely tough it will be and like how I could grow from it and what it will do for me later on in life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting how you look back at your life and you find those pivotal moments that give you the aha yeah. moment. Right. And not, a lot of people don't, they see the aha moments, but then they give into their excuses. They give into the comfort to not make a change. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm just a big proponent of putting yourself in hard times in adversity, because when comfort creeps in, you don't give comfort a voice. You don't give the doubt a voice. I, I look at comfort, doubt, fear, all of that as the same. It's natural that we feel that way. You'll never get rid of it. 
Like, I don't care who you are. Elon Musk, he has doubt. Sure. He gets comfort. He gets scared. He has fear. He might not say that shit on Twitter, but he does because he's not a robot. Every human has those emotions at some point in time. It's just a matter of how much can you suffocate those emotions when they keep popping up. And, and that's, that's the name of the game, right? I mean, you've interviewed a ton of people. We've been around a lot of successful people. They all have that in common. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a great point that, you know, just that nobody realizes that just they, they all kind of go through that same shit, but, and just to switch gears a little bit, just so everyone kind of gets more of a beat on what you actually do though. Is it more of real estate and, uh for your business or taxes and iras or how did you get into what you're doing yeah so real estate was something i got in when i was uh 18 19 20 was in the real estate arena selling did that for a number of years in that industry i got introduced to what are called self-directed retirement accounts where i learned people could use a retirement account like an ira like a 401k and invest into real estate that concept, Chris, was so foreign to me because I always thought retirement accounts like 401k and IRAs were just for mutual funds, just yeah. for stocks. So I, I, the idea of using a retirement account to invest in the real estate, that that wowed me. And I remember hearing about this, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And I, I stuck in the sales space in the, the real estate arena. And then I knew I always wanted to get into the retirement account space. So I made that shift. Um, shoot about 10 years ago, I worked for a company for a number of years, um, got taught by a lot of great people, learned a lot of uh, amazing things. And then um, really saw that, you know, I had the opportunity to start my own firm and and do what we do a really good job of, which is bringing awareness and helping people understand that they can access their retirement accounts penalty and tax free. So, hmm. so that's our business model is we, we teach people that have a 401k from an old job or an IRA how they can access this money penalty and tax-free now. Not waiting until you retire, not paying any penalties and taxes, but an IRS-approved way for you to get your hands on your 401k and IRA money now, penalty and tax-free, and use it to do some cool things, like maybe start a business, uh, maybe invest in a real estate, maybe invest in precious metals. And we've helped a lot of people start businesses using their retirement account, you know, we had a lady that needed about $20,000 to fund her business. She didn't want to get a loan from the bank. She liked the idea of using a retirement account to fund her business. So we helped her understand that she could actually take out $20,000 from her retirement account penalty and tax-free. And instead of that money being used to invest in the stock market, she used that money to invest in her business. And uh, she was able to grow her business using her retirement account. A lot of people have never heard about this kind of strategy. So it's IRS approved. It's been around for decades. Um, the, the skinny, the, the short version of why you haven't heard of it is because the scenario I just explained, Wall Street doesn't make money this way, right? Like your financial advisor, Wall Street, the big financial companies, right. Fidelity, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, they don't make money if they show you how to access your retirement account penalty and tax-free to fund your business. So it's not something that they're going to voluntarily bring up to you. See, that's, this is one of the, and I'm not much older than you, but this is one of the things that, you know, I've never known anything about as far as even finance in general, just, you know, when I got my first job and we started setting up for my 401k and all that, I was like, I don't know what the hell this is, man. I don't know what we're doing, but you know, then my uncle helped me set up a Roth IRA and told me, you know, you can't touch this until you're 55 or whatever it is. But yeah, something like this, like I never, everyone would always told me you can't draw stuff out of your 401k, out of your stuff. Even if you came to rock bottom, you shouldn't ever do it because you're going to pay penalties, taxes on it. But see, like, cool, this is cool information that if you wanted, you now that'd be a cool idea that or a great thing. If you wanted to take this money, invest it to like you tell that girl, invest into her business, take that money and try to use it to make more money. I mean, that's so badass and something that I never would have even thought that was possible. But yeah, it's uh, again, it's been around for decades. Um, the self-directed space is is huge. It's um, all Googleable information. The plan that I was kind of explaining the scenario, this yeah. customer of ours used what's called a solo 401k. That's the the nerd uh, version of what I explained. If you want to get technical. It's an IRS approved plan. It's been around for decades. Um, it's just a matter of understanding how it works and does it fit 
your your situation, right? You know, can it get you from point A to point B? And and that's I'm a firm believer of financial solutions not being a one size shoe fits all. It's for everyone. It's a matter of what what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And you know, maybe this is a tool that can help you get there. I like that mindset. I like that. That's a good philosophy. Just because not one, I, I'm agree with that on a bunch of different things, you know. And I think that so you kind of help people if I if I said, hey, I want to invest in my new, I don't know, we talked about my running shoe store or whatever. I could you, you would help me take that money out and start to put it to where it works like that. Yeah. So someone that's got, you know, 401k from an old job or an IRA, and they like the idea of accessing their money penalty and tax free to maybe fund their business. Maybe they have some high interest rate credit card debt, like they're paying 20% interest on their credit cards. And they like the idea of, of using the retirement account penalty and tax free to pay off some high interest rate debt, or they want to use their retirement account to invest into an apartment complex that they're really, you know, jazzed about. Sure. Um, basically just doing things that don't involve stocks, right? So those types of people that aren't a big fan of the stock market and they have money in an IRA or 401k in the stock market and they like the idea idea of doing something different, um, we take those people by the hand, educate them on the different types of options and and, be able to get them to the finish line to help them get everything set up. So we've got about uh, just over a thousand customers in all 50 states. So, you know, we've been been at this for quite some time and we've been able to help a lot of people. So- Again, or just to clarify, so I couldn't take, or I could or could not take that money out and say, I want to become a day trader. I saw, you know, where GameStop went up on that whenever it was like a year or two ago and invest into that or no. Or yeah, you- non-stocks, non-Wall Street uh, options are going to be, you know, more geared towards a self-directed plan. Um, and, and what you're saying, that person would probably be better off just having a retirement account with like TD Ameritrade or Vanguard or Fidelity. I mean, those those companies are massive, right? They manage trillions of dollars. So their software is, you know, really, really good. Um, and, and they're successful, respectable companies. But their menu is the stock market, right? If you want GameStop stocks, you can use Fidelity in a Wall Street company to do that. But if you wanted to use your retirement account to fund the business or invest into an apartment complex with Grant Cardone in Florida, you can't do that with Fidelity. Right. You need to have your money in a different type of an account, like the ones I'm talking about. And you, would you have to have to repay that back into your retirement account or no? It depends. Um, basically, there's two ways to access money from your solo 401k penalty and tax-free. One is the solo 401k just owns the asset. It invests directly into a apartment complex. It's not a loan where you got to pay yourself back. It's think of it as if you've got a hundred thousand in a solo 401k, instead of the hundred thousand dollars owning Apple stocks, it owns a hundred thousand dollars worth of this apartment complex in Florida, right? It just owns the asset outright. The other way to get money within a solo 401k penalty and tax-free is the loan feature. And this is where you can take 50% of the account value or 50K, whichever number is less, and you can use that money however you want. You can use it to pay off debt, fund a business. The caveat is you've got to pay back what you took out within five years okay. to avoid penalties and taxes. And then there is an interest rate. Right now it's about six to 7% because it's prime plus two, but that interest goes back to your retirement account. So essentially you're your own bank using your own money, paying yourself back the interest. Those interest rates fluctuate at all? Just prime plus two right now. So I don't with, I know what that means. Yeah. So right now, if you Google what is prime interest rate, government sets that. Right that now, means. it's 4.75%. If we did this podcast last year, the prime interest rate would have been a lot lower. Interest rates have gone up over the last year or so, right? So whatever prime is, add one to 2%. And okay. that's the interest rate on the solo K loan. And is that just based on like the world economy? Like you said, um, that, I, be- I believe it is um, U.S. based, right? Oh. So it's you know the federal government and you know the powers that may be that you know get in a room, probably shoot the shit, talk about <laughs> the weather, and they're like, "What should we do with interest rates? Should we raise them? Should we lower them? Should we not do anything? What do you guys think?" I mean, are these laws and these things are always changing? Is it one of these things you always have to be up on your game with? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was talking to friends that were trying to buy a house 
and like they were locked in at a like a three percent interest rate on their home, and then the interest rate went up to like four percent the next day, right? So and the, the rates can change all the time. Wow. Damn, man. Yeah, see, these are just kind of the conversations that, you know, I never grew up with and was never really taught. You know, and I, I didn't come from a finance family except just for my uncle's playing stock market, the market, yeah. stuff like that, or betting on horses. But yeah. it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's cool that people like you are out there and can actually share this information or willing to come on podcasts like this and just yeah. give it out to you for free. I mean, and, and actually, you know, hopefully get a few people who are interested. Like, it's one of my things that blew my mind with it, you know? So... Yeah. So Daniel, if uh, I appreciate you being here, but if people want to find you and find your business and find anything, anything you want to plug, feel free to do that. Yeah. Best place would be DanielBlue.me. It's a blue like just like the color. So DanielBlue.me. That's my personal site. It's got access to my book. I've got a book I wrote called Blueprints, Your Best Retirement. You can pick it up on Audible. So when you start running a half marathon with Chris, um, you can just be listening to my book. It's a really short, easy read. You can get it on hardcover or Kindle as well, but basically just teaches people how to access their retirement accounts, penalty and tax-free, dives deeper into what I was talking to you about, Chris, teaches people how to make money tax-free. It's really simple, short, sweet, right to the point. Uh, I've got a lot of free content on my website as well. Um, I, I write a lot of articles for Forbes, so a lot of free content, a lot of free articles there that I have published. Um, and then my podcast is listed there. It's called How Winners Win. Um, we're on all the major platforms. The goal with the podcast is to help people win in their personal life, their business life, or financial life. Um, and then all my social media handles are, are there. So I, I do my best to you know post consistently there to add value to the marketplace. And then if I've got your wheels turning and you've got a retirement account and the idea of accessing it penalty and tax-free um, is something that you want to learn more about, there's some steps that you can take there on the website. And uh, someone from my team will reach out to you once you fill out the form and we can see if we're a good fit for you. Cool. Daniel, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, buddy. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All good. All right. We're out of here, people. See you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 